Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the heart of the Carolinas, a breath of fresh air, a voice of reason, this is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you as we now find ourselves in the middle of this week. I want to begin with yet another example of hope. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, there's there's a guy I run into all the time. This guy, he basically hazes me every time. I guess periodically he listens to the show. And he makes some comment about me being a Republican. He's black. And, you know, he'll tease me about Trump or something connected to politics, current events. Let me tell you what happened yesterday. So he walks by. And he looks at me and says, all right, Vince, student loans. I said, you really want to know what I think? So I told him, I raised the question, what would you do, what would you see if the federal government got out of education completely? No student loans, no grants, none of this stuff. What would happen? Well, all of a sudden, all of these colleges across the country they would have to lower their prices to compete. You know, people talk about making college affordable. And usually what they mean is providing some sort of financial means to pay for it. How about we address the issue at the source by making the colleges make college affordable? And I reminded him, the two areas where we have runaway costs are areas where the government tampers student loans with education and health care in both of these areas the costs are well beyond the rate of inflation why because the free market system does not work freely in those areas the government interferes same thing would happen in medicine let's say you take the federal government out of the equation all of a sudden you have doctors having to compete hey I'll charge this hospitals we can provide your surgery for less than that other hospital over there what the government will do they'll uniformly pay everybody the same thing and because they weigh in with such a huge amount of money they skew everything. So take the government out. It's funny, this guy looked at me. He's like, that makes a whole lot of sense. I think this is another winning issue. And on this point, 
The Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday on President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. He launched this back in August and was quickly sued over it. Right now it's blocked, and we expect a ruling from the justices in June. So the court heard oral arguments on this issue, two challenges to President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. For those who don't know, it would cancel $20,000 in student debt for Pell Grant recipients earning under $125,000 a year and up to $10,000 for other federal borrowers. This was last summer when we heard this announcement. Both cases, the Supreme Court heard on Tuesday, seeking to permanently block the plan from taking effect. What I also found intriguing because I was not familiar with this particular organization. I looked back and saw in October when an organization called the Job Creators Network Foundation, the Legal Action Fund filed a lawsuit to block this student loan bailout. And I wanted to find out who are these people and what are they about? Why did they get involved as they have? In their lawsuit, they argue the bailout violates the Administrative Procedure Act's notice and comment procedures. It features two plaintiffs who've been harmed by this arbitrary executive overreach and calls on the court to stop this counterproductive, inflationary, and unfair action from taking effect. I want you to hear the statement when this lawsuit was actually filed from Elaine Parker, the president of Job Creators Network Foundation. Pay close attention to this. Folks, this is a perfect example of an issue I think would win over most Americans. Most Americans are going to agree with what I'm about to share with you. It makes sense. Our lawsuit intends to block the Biden administration's student loan bailout which is an unprecedented executive power grab. That's the constitutional issue. Now, I'm not advocating to you that I would favor Congress doing this, but at least there would be some legitimacy if Congress passed a bill that said, hey, we're going to forgive student loans. That's another thing altogether, and you can debate the wisdom of that. But the president should not have the authority to just do this unilaterally, just by a signature. It's unacceptable. The statement from Elaine Parker goes on. The administration's action does nothing to address the root cause of unaffordable tuition. Remember what I said earlier? The problem has to be addressed at the root. And we're going to talk about this later with the issue of fentanyl. I mean, you can try to address this at the other end, but the real problem is at the source. You know, what is that expression? Nip it at the bud? Nip it in the bud, right? So what's the root cause? Unaffordable tuition. It goes on. Greedy and bloated colleges that raise tuition far more than inflation year after year while sitting on, are you ready for this, $700 billion in endowments. Where is that money? 
colleges need to be held accountable for their outrageous tuition prices that fund high executive pay, an army of administrators who provide little to no value, and the construction of resort-style amenities. College endowments, not taxpayers, should be responsible for helping students drowning in debt. Amen. By shifting the burden to taxpayers, including those who didn't go to college or paid their student loans back, colleges escape responsibility for their actions creating the student loan crisis. They are given carte blanche to continue their ridiculous pricing. Bailing out this debt only kicks this problem down the road. By blocking this inflationary taxpayer bailout, JCN's lawsuit can lay the groundwork to actually solve the student debt crisis by holding its college perpetrators accountable. Doesn't this make perfect sense? This is right on the money. And I absolutely hope that we get a sound ruling from the Supreme Court this summer. It sounds like these justices were quite skeptical of Biden's ability to do this. We'll find out probably in June. But I think this is an example again, as the story I shared with you at the top illustrates. There are a lot of people who are not Republicans who would agree with this on an issue like this. What do you think, folks? Much more as we continue our Wednesday broadcast. I'll talk about some good news on the culture front as we continue. Stay with us. If you'd like to join the conversation, the GS Plumbing Talk Line, 800-928-1110. 800-928-1110, the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. And on that text line thus far, Vince, maybe all those liberal professors will take pay cuts to reduce the price of tuition. Ha ha, exactly. Vince, you're speaking my language today on both education and health care. Take government out of the picture. Yep. But we also have this. So when the Supreme Court rules against forgiveness of student loan, Democrat voters will blame conservative court justices and will have another issue for conservatives to overcome in the 2024 election. See, I don't mind having that conversation. Because, again, I am convinced a majority of Americans will agree with what I expressed in the first part of this broadcast. It will make sense to them. It's like this, whatever we've been doing, doesn't work very well at all. I mean, I think back to my time at Eastern Kentucky University when I'm paying five, $600 a semester for college. I'm serious. Five, $600 a semester. Try finding a school where you can do that right now, other than community college. This person says, start looking at stats. Find the colleges whose grads cannot pay or are defaulting. That way the bad schools are forced to reform. Others can remain. That's fair, isn't it? Vince, listen to your show this morning regarding student loan debt. You're right. High tuition costs from these greedy colleges. However, on the flip side of this coin, let's keep sending money to Ukraine. <laughs> That's our tax dollars. We have no say. 
they're getting free services based on our taxpayers. Yes, that's what's happening here. Vince, liberal Democrat, I don't really have a problem with the Supreme Court denying student loan forgiveness as long as they stop executive orders like the ones where Trump gave billions of dollars to farmers. It's amazing how all these Republicans got hundreds of thousands, in some cases. Yeah, I don't blame you for the concern. Billions of dollars from the government. I don't want students to receive $10,000. Sad, but the Republicans will regret their actions. See, this has to be across the board. On the issue of executive power, I'm with you on the abuse of that. Let's go back to the constitutional process. Appropriations begin where? In Congress, not in the White House. It's really that simple. So even when the Republicans think they win, they lose. Always, because they're hypocrites. Wow, we've got people in rare form today. Hmm. Vince, when I went to college in 1970, my tuition was lower than my younger brother's Catholic high school tuition. Well, that does not surprise me. Why are we sending money to Ukraine? Most Americans don't have a clue where it even is. This was part of the conversation as well that I've had with a number of people suggesting that many people would not even have any idea no idea whatsoever where Ukraine is on the map I'll bet you 50% of the people cannot find it I'm, I'm just going out on a limb here I'd love to see you remember back when Jay Leno was on how you would do what was that called jaywalking that was really cool. He talked to people out in the street. That would be pretty awesome. What else can we celebrate this morning? How about this? Mississippi. Transgender minors can no longer receive gender-affirming care in the state after its Republican governor signed a bill that prohibits health care professionals from providing both hormone treatments and surgical procedures. I, this is another winning issue to me. This is just common sense. Minors. This story, believe it or not, CNN story talking about Republican-led states around the country pushing an unprecedented number of bills seeking to restrict gender-affirming care this year. You know, we need to re-examine this phrase. Just like so many other examples of the bastardization of language, this is not gender-affirming care. This is gender-pretend care. Because if it were affirming, if you are a male, I would affirm your maleness. If you are a female, I would affirm the fact that you are female. No, I'm affirming your fantasy based on what the advocates are pushing for. Debates about this issue have reached into new territory in recent months after some lawmakers proposed measures that would extend some of the bans to people older than 18. 
The CNN story saying gender-affirming care is medically necessary, evidence-based care that uses a multidisciplinary approach to help a person transition from their assigned gender, the one the person was designed with at birth, to their affirmed gender, the gender by which one wants to be known. This is amazing. CNN story. So what they've done is they've taken opinion, and again, this is not science. It's not medically necessary at all. This is not science. This, again, is political science. Here's the ban. Goes into effect immediately. Outlaws the prescription and administration of puberty-blocking medication and cross-sex hormone therapy in patients under 18. Prohibits surgery related to gender transition. The law also makes it illegal for people to knowingly engage in conduct that aids or abets the performance or inducement of gender transition procedures to minors. Any healthcare professional found to be in violation of the ban will have their license to practice medicine in the state revoked. It also gives people who assert an actual or threatened violation of the ban the right to bring civil suits against any facility, individual, or entity for violating its provisions. By the way, the statute of limitations is 30 years. Wow. I love what the governor said, Tate Reeves. This is such a great statement. At the end of the day, there are two positions here. One tells children they're beautiful the way they are. They can find happiness in their own bodies. The other tells them they should take drugs and cut themselves up with expensive surgeries to find freedom from depression. I know which side I'm on. CNN also reporting major medical associations agree that gender-affirming care is clinically appropriate for children and adults with gender dysphoria, which, according to the American Psychiatric Association, is psychological distress that may result when a person's gender identity and sex assigned at birth do not align. I find it interesting, and we've talked about this. They're coming to a different conclusion in the United Kingdom right now. They're reversing course. Which science is correct? I think the Brits have this one right. Too much of what's happening here is driven by political science. Stay with us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. is the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing talk line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now back to Vince. And over on that text line, we have this. Hey, Vince, thank you for talking about the crises facing this country. I'm a 74-year-old widow. My husband and I worked our entire lives and believed in this nation. That sacred trust has eroded now. 
Now that I see the waste of my hard-earned taxes, illegal aliens, the war in Ukraine, the pandemic, surrender to China, thousands of citizens dying from illegal drug poisoning, which we'll talk about later, CRT student debt, need I go on? When do American citizens get first priority? Very good question. When do American citizens get first priority? How do you answer that question? Jefferson said, I hold that a little rebellion now and then is a good thing. I believe a tax revolution is on the horizon because of King Joe and his minions. (laughs) We shall see. There's no such thing as a transgender, this texter says. XX or XY chromosomes follow the science. Gender is biological. I want people to recognize me as Jesus Christ. And for all the people who say I'm crazy, I say this. I can prove a trans person is not who they claim to be with 100% accuracy. Can you prove that I'm not Jesus Christ? Playing the fool's game makes you a fool. (laughs) It's pretty silly. The only gender affirmation care required is psychological. If you're a man who thinks he's a woman, you have a mental disorder. It's unfortunate to Vince, all these Republican states who put a religious homophobic beliefs over everybody else's freedoms are going to cause more people to commit suicide. So wrong. Let me respond to everything you said here because it's so off base. Nobody said anything about religion. Not a darn thing about religion. If you heard me say anything about religion, I'd love to hear it. I made a comment about science. All the, in fact, the, the texters are commenting about science. You're the one who brought up religion. And then you use that one of the dumbest words on the planet, homophobic. I wish I got paid for every time I heard that word. It's one of the dumbest, most worthless, lazy words used here in America. At the base of this is what? Fear. And they normally like to put these things together, religion and homophobia. And again, it's lazy because you don't want to deal with the real issues at hand. Putting their beliefs over everybody else's freedoms. What, children's rights to mutilate themselves before their brains are fully formed and they can make a sensible decision? That's the kind of freedom people should have? We don't allow kids to smoke or drink? underage why should they be able to mutilate their bodies i'd love for you to call in and explain this to me and this person also warning this is going to cause more people to commit suicide so wrong you know what this is called emotional extortion i don't believe in this garbage anymore kids you gonna commit suicide kids you gonna commit suicide cut this nonsense out i'm serious about this Now, if there's bullying or other stuff going on, let's address it at the root, wherever it is. I'm all for that. But I want you to know, and I've talked with enough people in the gay, lesbian, transgender community to know, much of what they wrestle with is internal, not external. I've mentioned a study before. Was this in the Netherlands years ago? 
a place very accepting, very accepting of people in alternative lifestyles. And guess what? Still have a right of high rate of suicides among transgender people. This, folks, is mostly internal. It's not external. You can't blame other people for this. It just blows my mind. It's frustrating. Ah, let us see. <laughs> Let's talk about another, I think, very encouraging sign. History made in the city of Chicago last night. They had a mayoral election. And Lori Lightfoot is out. She is history. She was blown out. I mean, it wasn't even close. She came in third. 16.89% of the vote. The Chicago Public Schools CEO, Paul Vallis, came in at, with 33.95%. Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, 2032 So they're going to have to have a runoff election. But the bottom line is, Lori Lightfoot's out. Chicago Sun-Times reporting the first black woman, the first openly gay person ever to serve as mayor of Chicago, became a one-term mayor. So Vallis and Johnson, they're going to face off five weeks from now in the April 4th runoff to decide who will be the 57th mayor of Chicago. This is historic, folks. If I saw this correctly, it has been, what is it, 40 years since a sitting mayor in Chicago has lost an election. I'm telling you, folks, people, people are waking up. And the old style of politics, I dare to believe it's not necessarily working anymore. Even in Democrat strongholds like Chicago. Now these folks who are running against Lori Lightfoot, I have no idea who they are and what they're going to do. I really don't. But I do know that people are fed up. And just because you're in the position, it's not a guarantee you're going to stay. 40 years. I was intrigued by a story that was put out a couple of weeks ago, but I think this was the UK Daily Mail did this story. Here's the headline of the story. Lori plays the race card. Chicago Mayor Lightfoot urges black voters to help her keep the seat from falling to white or Hispanic challengers. <laughs> Remember we've talked about the race issue? Again, I'd ask you to put the shoe on the other foot. <laughs> on the light foot, as opposed to the good foot. I mean, think about this, folks. You imagine a, a, a white candidate, please keep this city out of black or Hispanic hands. Can you imagine what would happen? But she said this, urging black voters to help keep her seat from falling to white or Hispanic, Hispanic challengers. That was part of her appeal. <laughs> this is pretty amazing. She said, if you want them controlling your destiny, then stay home. Then don't vote. But we've got to do better. Stay with us.
<laughs> Over on the text line. If I can make my way through this minefield. So glad to see Beetlejuice leaving. What an absolute rabid nutcase. You know it's bad when the Chicago Bears are packing up and leaving. <laughs> yes, they're leaving for the suburbs. However, the two running for the runoff for both Democrats, so I don't see much changing. We're talking about Crook County. Oh, I meant Cook County. <laughs> One can hope. That's from Jeff. Vince, when people like Lightfoot say racist things like she said about the mayor's race, it creates opinions like Scott Adams. Hello. See what I'm talking about? He's right in the money on this point, isn't he? The people of Chicago are starting to wake up. They're tired of the crime and the bad rep the mainstream media portrays Chicago. The other person mentioning the irony that Lori's wife is white. Here she is making comments about the city falling to the hands of a white or Hispanic person. Oh, the humanity. Dave Perkins posted this on social media. Lori Lightweight has lost. <laughs> Paul Vallis, Brandon Johnson advanced the runoff April 4th. Can we just call an end to the idea that putting black lesbians in charge of stuff makes life more fair for everyone? That doesn't even make life more fair for black lesbians. Yeah. We can't say this. Identity politics. It's one of the major reasons she's there in the first place. And at the end of the day, she couldn't deliver. You know what? It would be a different story if this woman had a record that she was able to run on. It's very clear. The people of the city recognized she wasn't getting it done. Pretty simple stuff. And now she's toast. Let's talk about economics. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk about some very interesting stuff related to health. One of them, the fentanyl threat. You know, it's interesting. I think there was a texter the other day. And I think a lot of people have the impression whenever someone is killed by fentanyl, the person is on drugs. Not necessarily true. There are people who think they're getting prescription drugs who have drugs laced with fentanyl, and they die. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. A really riveting bit of testimony from a woman who has suffered a loss that is just unimaginable. Let's talk about what's going on with the economy. CNBC, and we've heard stories like this over and over again, but here's the reality. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 60%. That's the figure for January. Lending Club says consumers have accepted that inflation is now part of their everyday lives. Despite the higher prices, consumers are still spending, although not as much as they were a year ago, giving their budget some breathing room. As of January, 60% of all U.S. adults, including 45%, this is significant, 45% of high-income earners were living paycheck to paycheck. Now, this is down slightly 
from the 64% a year earlier. But it's still pretty bad. They're actively making behavior changes, especially during the 2022 holiday shopping season to adjust their spending and better manage their cash flow. Consumption expenditures, hotter than expected, showing some spending habits are hard to break. Consumer spending jumped 1.8% for the month compared to the estimate of 1.4%. More Americans leaning on credit cards. At the end of 2022, credit card debt hit a record $930.6 billion. That's an 18.5% spike from a year earlier. Average credit card balance, $5,805. Do you have that much in credit card debt? Total household debt also increased by 2.4% to $16.9 trillion in the fourth quarter of last year. Now nearly half or 46% of credit card holders carry debt from month to month on at least one card. That was only 40, 39% last year. I'm very curious. What is your financial situation right now? Are you living paycheck to paycheck? I'm especially intrigued. That 45% of high income earners are in the same place. You know, people look at that. Oh, how is that possible? Um, it is possible. What is your reality? Still to come in the broadcast, as I mentioned, we're, we will talk about fentanyl and testimony that took place in the nation's capital. Horrible story. Absolutely horrible story. With a mother experiencing just an, um, an absolutely horrendous loss, loss. Also, we'll have an update on the COVID lab story. It's quite interesting. A matter-of-fact statement you're going to hear out of the FBI director. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice of reason, an oasis of civility and humanity. I'm on a journey, the pursuit of truth, not just facts to fill the head, but also life-changing power to change hearts and transform minds. A journey of relationship, to connect to people of goodwill everywhere, to build upon civil society, to transcend tribal divisions with timeless values and love. A growing coalition of choice, not coercion. Are you with me? This is the Vince Copley Radio Program. And welcome to our number two of our broadcast. Glad you are with us. You've probably heard a lot in recent days, months, weeks, last couple of years about fentanyl. Deadly fentanyl is just absolutely 
horrendous to hear the stories. I believe I had a high school friend on this broadcast within the last couple of years who lost a son to fentanyl. Yesterday, there was a House hearing on the subject with testimony from a number of people, law enforcement, also families, telling really heart-wrenching stories, including the mother of two children killed by fentanyl poisoning, and they are absolutely disgusted by the posture of the United States government as it relates to leaving the border open for illegal migrants. There's a cost for this. For one woman, the cost is the loss of her sons. Caleb and Kyler. You want to talk about heartbreaking. Caleb was 20. Kyler, 18. She lost both of them, both sons. And one of their friends, 17-year-old, Sophia Harris died in July 2020 in a hotel room in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Oh my goodness, this was absolutely heart-wrenching and you're going to hear it now. This is the mother of Caleb and Kyler. She is describing the ridiculous policy of the United States of America as it relates to our border. Listen very, very closely with your head and your heart to Rebecca Kiesling. If we had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year, and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. 100,000! Americans every year are having their children, 200,000, because it's both parents, right, are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. You see, you talk about welcoming those crossing our border, seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. I'm in support groups on Facebook with there's thousands of parents who have lost their children. Every day, faces are added. It's dehumanizing. It's demoralizing. Is that not heart-wrenching? This is part of the cost of an open border. At the end of the day, here we are concerned about the territorial integrity of Ukraine and how many grieving mothers just like this do we have in this country 
that, truthfully speaking, are the numbers tell the story of how much we care, which is, at the end of the day, we really don't. Americans have to stand up to our government and demand, demand that there's serious action here. Hmm. This texture says that's definitely sad, Vince, but governments don't care about that. Tens of millions die to fight their wars. Governments do not care. Yeah. That is the tragedy of where we find ourselves right now. A lot of talk in recent days about the derivation of the coronavirus. Where did this thing come from? And it seems like, kind of as a matter of fact thing, more bureaucrats are acknowledging what many of us have known for several years, which is the likelihood is this coronavirus is the result of a lab leak. That's where it came from. It's not some sort of big announcement. You're not going to see a news conference where, you know, this is what we're announcing and this is what we're going to do about it. They're kind of just stating it as matter of fact. The FBI director, Christopher Wray, did an interview with Fox News Channel. I think it was with Brent Baer. And I want you to notice the tone of what he says here. Not any excitement or anything, just matter of fact. Here's Robert Ray talking about the lab leak. Uh, the FBI has for uh, quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Let me step back for a second. You know, the FBI has folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, etc., who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like novel viruses like COVID, uh, and the concerns that, that in the wrong hands, some bad guys, a hostile nation state, a terrorist, a criminal, uh, the threats that those could pose. So here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government controlled lab that killed millions of Americans. And that's precisely what that capability uh, was designed for. I should add, that, uh, that our work related to this continues. And there are not a whole lot of details I can share that aren't, aren't classified. I will just make the observation that the Chinese government seems to me has been doing its best to try to thwart and obfuscate uh, the work here, the work that we're doing, the work that our US government and, and close foreign partners are doing. Um, and that's unfortunate for everybody. That it is. Pretty straightforward. So, uh, all those conspiracy theories, well, no longer theory. Coming up, very important thing for us to think about as relates to our health, obesity. We'll talk about it coming up.
Over on the text line, this texter says maybe Congress needs Greta Thunberg to tell them about the border crisis. They seem to listen to her. <laughs> so, Vince, does that mom's speech not require indictment and trial of the U.S. federal government? Treason, Vince. Also, this, it's all about the money. Wars, drugs, immigration, the biggest industries in the world. Vince, do you understand why oxycodone, oxycontin, fentanyl, favored by white Americans, is a Schedule II drug? They kill thousands of people. Marijuana, favored by black Americans, Schedule I drug. The difference in incarceration is 10 to 1. There's no racism to see here, this texture says. I feel sorry for the mother, but Americans had their chance to turn things around the last presidential election, but did not. Oh, boy. Jeff says the scariest thing about fentanyl, you don't have to overdose on it. Less than a teaspoon of it can kill you. But our government is not doing anything about our leaky border. Will they actually care when their own children fall victim to this horrendous drug? Yeah. Just a sampling of some of the items here on the text line. I, I need to address something. This is the texter who is drawing my attention to something that is in my stack that I will probably address at some point this week. I think it's a concern. I don't think it is an imminent concern. This texture says Iran's 12 days away from being able to nuke us. That's really not completely true. They are 12 days away from one of the important processes toward making a bomb. Still some ways away from being able to do it. This is not to diminish the threat at all. It is to say to you that let's not exaggerate the threat. It's bad enough. And believe me, Iran is a threat to us, to Israel, to world peace. This is not going to happen overnight. It really isn't over the next couple of weeks. But we darn well better pay attention to this. And I hope they don't do another peace deal. Another nuclear deal. <laughs> what a joke. Let's talk heart to heart for a minute. Study finds, I love this particular website. They have a lot of good information. Here's one piece of information that's really disturbing. It's about obesity. The title of this, here's why having obesity is even deadlier than you might think. Carrying too much weight can increase the risk of heart of high blood pressure and heart disease. Few studies actually say simply being a little overweight can lead to premature death. However, a new study is changing everything, finding that obesity significantly increases a person's risk of death. A researcher from CU Boulder warns obesity raises a person's risk of death by anywhere from 22 to a staggering 91%. Moreover, the new analysis of nearly 18,000 people find scientists may be looking at body mass index all wrong. 
The study author says this go-to measure of weight and fitness can lead to scientific bias and can actually provide a misleading picture of someone's health. In the new study, the researcher found one in six U.S. deaths have a connection to excess weight or obesity. One in six. Existing studies have likely underestimated the mortality consequences of living in a country where cheap, unhealthy food has grown increasingly accessible and sedentary lifestyles have become the norm. And the study and others beginning to expose the true toll of this public health crisis. Masters. Masters notes there's currently an obesity paradox when it comes to studying weight and longevity. The U-shaped curve shows that those in the overweight category, BMI 25 to 30, have the lowest risk of death. Meanwhile, previous studies say those in the obese category, 30 to 35 BMI, have little to no increased risk of death in comparison to people in the healthy category, 18.5 to 25. The conventional wisdom is elevated BMI generally does not raise mortality risk until you get to very high levels. And there are actually some survival benefits to being overweight. Now, this doctor says he's been very suspicious of those claims. BMI is a measurement which comes from comparing weight and height only. It doesn't account for various body type differences that people have, such as a shorter man or a woman who's extremely fit and muscular, therefore weighs more. Now, Masters says here it's a reflection of stature at a point in time. At one point, citing Tom Cruise as an example, the action star has an extremely muscular 201 pounds, despite only standing 5'7". According to BMI, that puts the Top Gun Maverick star in the obese category. It isn't fully capturing all of the nuances in different sizes and shapes the body comes in. So what do we need to know here? Well, in this new study of weights linked to health, Masters examined data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. 1988 to 2015, the study included information on 17,784 people, 4,468 who died. One in five in the healthy weight category have been overweight or obese at some point over the past decade. Results show these individuals in particular had a much worse health profile than other participants whose weight remained stable throughout the study. Interestingly, results show that carrying excess weight for a lifetime makes someone more likely to develop diseases which cause rapid weight loss. Isn't that weird? Carrying excess weight for a lifetime makes someone more likely to develop diseases which cause rapid weight loss. Therefore, if scientists look at BMI data, that can skew scientific studies. So he's arguing, we've been artificially inflating the mortality risk in the low BMI category by including those who have been high BMI and it lost weight recently. Additionally, 37% of overweight participants, 60% of obese individuals had lower BMIs in the decade prior. Those who recently gained weight still had better overall health profiles. The master says this shows lifelong obesity is much worse for health than a sudden spike due to overeating. 
By including people at a lifetime of low BMI weight in the high BMI category, previous studies have been incorrectly making obesity look safer than it really is. The health and the mortality consequences of high BMI are not like a light switch. There's an expanding body of work suggesting the consequences are duration dependent. How long were you overweight? We're going to finish this. Something to think about and kind of a health challenge as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing Talk Line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. Chris out of Shelby texting this. If leaders in this country really cared about us, healthy food wouldn't be so high and bad food wouldn't be so cheap. It's so easy, isn't it? So easy to take in the wrong things. I want to share the last part of this study find story about mortality connected to obesity. Here's the conclusion. Instead of a U-shaped curve, the study finds a straight upward line linking BMI to a person's risk of death. Unlike previous studies, the new report finds no risk increase among people in the underweight category. No problem there. While prior studies estimate that 2 to 3% of U.S. adults die due to high BMI-related causes, this report says the number is actually eight times higher. Eight times higher. And concludes saying, for groups born in the 70s and 80s who've lived their whole lives... In this obesogenic environment, the the prospects of healthy aging into older adulthood does not look good right now. And the researcher saying his hope is the work they've done could influence higher level discussions about what we as a society can do about it. I'm all for that. And again, this is really not about government. At the end of the day, it's about us, isn't it? I just want to put something out to you because uh, this has been kind of cyclical for me. I've gone through periods where I've done really well, and I've gone through periods where I've done not so well. I did make the decision recently that I'm going to resume something that worked for me several years ago. And I'm in the process of, frankly, kind of getting that started today. But I thought I would just share that with you because I think it's really important that we address this issue because we're, as a country, getting heavier and heavier. And it's really important that we take care of our health. Very, very important. A lot of people have been following the Alex Murdoch trial. The jury 
visiting the crime scene today. This trial's been going on for about six weeks. Alex Murdoch, standing trial murder charge in the shooting of his wife and son. There's a whole lot that's been presented. 75 witnesses. Can you imagine the job ahead for this jury? It's monumental. 75 witnesses, 800 photographs, reports and exhibits presented as evidence. One of the things the jurors are doing is visiting the crime scene, Moselle, where this took place. They're visiting that scene today before both sides present their closings. The claim by authorities is that Paul Murdoch was shot twice with a shotgun, each round loaded with different sized shot, while Maggie Murdoch struck with four or five bullets from a rifle. Crime scene reports suggesting both victims shot in the head after initially being wounded near dog kennels on Murdoch's sprawling rural property. Now, prosecutors took more than a year to charge Mr. Murdoch with murder, but decided not to pursue the death penalty. Charged with about 100 counts of financial and other crimes, has adamantly denied any involvement in the killings. If convicted, he faces 30 years to life in prison. One thing I'd like to ask about, I'm really mystified by this as to why this is not a death penalty case. Is the concern that the evidence isn't strong enough? I don't know. Really curious about the reasoning behind that. I'm also curious what your expectations are. Do you think, at the end of the day, that there will be a conviction in this case? How many of you, by the way, have seen Murdoch Murders, the documentary on Netflix? It has been really popular. Really popular. And I have a feeling that a lot of people, when they watch this, um, they're going to be surprised by how long this saga has been going on. Because it's really it really doesn't begin with these murders. As those of us in this area, we you know we're pretty familiar. We're familiar enough about the case, but there are details of things that have happened before this that certainly have a whole lot of people just blown away by what appears to be some really um, terrible activity that has been tolerated by this family, from this family, for years. It's really quite disturbing. You know, I already have mentioned this, uh, I believe, on Monday's program about watching the documentary over the weekend. It's a three-part series. And it will certainly uh, give you a lot to think about. A whole lot to think about. On the 2024 front, Breitbart out with a story about new polling for the Republican side. Former President Donald Trump now leads Ron DeSantis in a hypothetical head-to-head Republican primary matchup. After a 12-point swing his way in three weeks, that's kind of interesting. 
This is a Yahoo YouGov poll released yesterday. 47% of Republicans would vote for Trump in the head-to-head primary with DeSantis. The Florida governor sits eight points behind with 39%, 13% undecided. Now, in the poll conducted February 2nd through 6th, DeSantis led Trump 45 to 41. This is a 12-point swing to Trump in 21 days. So that's kind of interesting. Trump also dramatically expanded his lead over a larger primary field in that time. In a scenario with eight other candidates offered to, to the participants... Donald Trump comes in at 45%, giving him a double-digit lead over DeSantis at 29. He's widened his lead by 14 points compared to the previous survey when he and DeSantis were at 37-35, with seven other candidates as options. Here are those numbers, by the way. Two-way, 47-39, Trump over DeSantis. The larger contest, Cheney at 1%. I can't believe they have her name on here. Mike Pence, 2, Pompeo at 3, Haley at 5, DeSantis, 29, and Trump at 45. Thought you would be entertained by these numbers, of course, very early. And as far as we know, there are only two declared candidates in this contest thus far. Three, actually. Stay with us. Now the final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Wednesday. We have this on the text line. As to why the Murdoch trial does not include a death penalty, death penalty cases open up appeals, many legal issues to put the prosecution in tougher positions. This person says three people together at the dog kennels. Two are dead. One walks away. Hmm. On the health issue, obesity. Bravo to you, Vince. Remind people they are most responsible for their health through their choices. Yep. That's how it works. Listening to that lady about fentanyl, it's heartbreaking. I'm an emotional wreck hearing her because I was minutes from losing my magna cum laude graduate daughter from fentanyl. I'm one of the lucky parents whose child was spared from the poison. The politicians running our country are cowards who pontificate in their suits and high wage their high wages while doing nothing. They should all be in jail. I know you dislike Trump, but he was closing the border. And it needs to be shut down indefinitely until we have a grip. Thank God for my child's life. Joe, I celebrate that with you. Celebrate that with you. Oh, that has to be chilling. As to why there's no death penalty in this case, come on, Vince, you know the answer to that question. It's a rich white man. That's why the death penalty is not on the table. On polling, showing Trump ahead, a 12-point swing. Well, it's because Trump has not opened his mouth and said a lot of stupid garbage. (laughs) Prediction on the Murdoch trial, I see a hung jury. Oh, my goodness, that would be awful. What a mess after all this time. 
Just a sampling of items on the text line. Time now for a look at the day in history. Now we are joined by Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing better than a lot of folks, it sounds like. My goodness. Uh, yeah, it's lots cra- of heavy stories. Crazy world it is. Better than Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 1780 is the year this Keystone state became the first to abolish slavery. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is absolutely correct. It preceded our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Article well, of the Confederacy, am I remembering that Articles right? of Confederation, oh, close okay. enough. Right. took four years to put that thing together, by the way. That's a long time. Another state... The state of my birth became the 17th in the Union. Um, this one, uh, adjacent to Pennsylvania, by the way. I'm not going to say state of confusion, because that, uh, would, be, that would be disrespectful. That's pretty good. Uh, I like Kentucky, that. It's Kentucky, isn't it? No, it's no. Ohio. That's my uh, birth city, Ohio. You lived, lived in, in Kentucky, Kentucky for a okay. while, though. So you have reason to think that. 1972... This establishes the very first national park. It's also the name of a very popular series right now. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. It's not married with children, National Park. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's an old series. Yeah, 1932. We have the very tragic kidnapping of a famous baby. Lindbergh. Lindbergh is correct. 1961, this president established the Peace Corps. Uh, when was it? 61? 61. JFK? It's JFK. 1971, this group, um, the Weather Underground, took credit for bombing the U.S. Capitol, causing $300,000 in damage. It's crazy. 1985, the Pentagon put out word that it accepted the idea of this in atomic war. What is that called after... Mutually assured destruction. <laughs> well, that's one thing that uh, it's a season. Oh, it's, a nu- nuclear winter. You're absolutely correct. They acknowledged that nuclear. That's exactly what would happen after a nuclear event. God forbid that that should ever, ever, ever happen. Me without my scarf. Yeah. <laughs> Final story here. Get a load of this for a fine by police. Seashells, seaweed, nearly a ton of cocaine. That's what French Marine uh, Maritime Police actually found on a beach on the English Channel this week. They're investigating where the drugs came from, how they ended up on the shores of this town on Sunday. Cocaine. How much? Weighing about 850 kilos. That's 1,875 pounds in total. In two large packages linked by a rope. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot. Yeah, it sounds the, mild compared to fentanyl, though. I mean, that almost sounds innocent, the way fentanyl's yeah, taking people the out. Amaz- the amazing thing is uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of disappointed they didn't put a value as to how much this would be worth. Um, well, sure, how much are you looking to spend? A whole lot. <laughs> All right. You need a rim shot in there, Chris, for that one. That was a pretty good one. How much are you willing to spend? What are we going to do with you? I'm sorry. Take the rest of the day off. I'm in a state of confusion. (laughs) Thanks a lot for joining us. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. 
is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.